Hello? Striker, it's Murph. Murph! How far away are you? I'm about six minutes. Six minutes. Okay, man, I'm going to need your full concentration, not for the interview, but I have something planned for you in my backyard when you get here, okay? I look forward to it. Okay, I'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye, Murph. Bye. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. Yeah, welcome to the show. This episode is brought to you by Hammer Toyota. Out there in Mission Hills, here in Southern California, they are incredibly loyal, generous, friendly. They treat you like a rock star, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate them. It's because of Hammer that I was able to launch this podcast as fast as I did back in October, and it was humming from day one. It also makes me feel so freaking fantastic when I get the messages from you that you have gone out to Hammer Toyota or you visited the website. It means everything that you support the company that supports me. And Tuna on Toast listener Aaron just went out to Hammer Toyota. She met Johnny, the general sales manager, and she got herself a new car. Johnny, the general sales manager, he is a legend. He's become my really, really good friend. You probably see him on my Instagram all the time. He's a great dude, and I appreciate Hammer so much. Hey, the website, if you want to check it out, H-A-M-E-R, they are HammerToyota.com. Matthew Murphy, Murph. From the Wombats is the guest today, as you already know. On YouTube, every episode is available. And what you may not know if you've never checked out the channel is I always have an activity planned for the band or the artist when they come over. It could be as simple as making coffee, eating snacks, going in the refrigerator. Sometimes we play some trivia. Uh, with Murph, I brought him into the backyard and I gave him a lob wedge. I get also a tennis ball and golf balls. And then I put on my baseball mitt and went on the other side of the yard, which is not that far. There's windows surrounding us. There's cars, there's bushes, there's other houses. And our goal was he had to hit uh, the ball across the yard and I had to catch it into the baseball mitt. To see how that turned out, <laughs> you got to go go to YouTube, Tune on Toast with Striker YouTube, and you can see it all. Also, you can get see what the studio looks like in here, what this little room is like. I really like Murph, and what I've learned, I think I knew this before, but it's more cemented now in my brain. There are many types of energies. Just because someone is like screaming nonstop and they're at a 10, yeah, that is some sort of energy. And then there's others. And I think I'm a roller coaster of it. Like I talk and I get real excited. There's that sort of energy. Murph, he's got this energy that is much more low key when conversation is happening. And just because the delivery is in more of a low key sort of way, it doesn't mean that it's not full of an energy. And man, is this guy talented. The Wombat's brand new album, it just came out and it's called Fix Yourself not the world. This is their fifth studio album. They have built up a giant fan base all over the world. Also keep in mind, this is very important. We recorded and filmed this interview before Christmas. So some of the references, I say 2021, obviously it is now 
2022. So let's get to it. And again, thank you so much for supporting this show. Here he is from the Wombats and his other project, Love, Fame, Tragedy. Here's Matthew Murphy. Murph. All right, watch your head here. You'll sit in that chair. Whoa. You okay with Red Bull being in shot? Or yeah, no, no, totally okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. How many have you done now? I have a total of, there's three that I haven't released yet. Okay. So right around 15, I think. Oh, great. Yeah. Nice. It's been, it's been going all right. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. And someone like you is coming over. <laughs> and I was sitting here waiting and then getting to play golf outside. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Have you been using the pool much in the winter? Not at all. No. Even in the summer, I don't really swim that much. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. You haven't got into like Wim Hof and Iceman and all that stuff? No. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a swimmer? No, but I've been doing these kind of cold plunges. You have. Now and again. Yeah, it's great. Really good. What's that therapy? Cry, not uh, Something therapy you get in the freezer for oh, like 90 cryo seconds. Yes, yeah. No, th yeah, this one is just like you go and sweat your balls off in a, in a sauna for okay. like 30 minutes and then jump straight into a plunge pool and you have to like regulate your breathing and <clears throat> stay in there for as long as you can. Um, that's not easy yeah it's not easy but afterwards you just feel glorious really exhilarated yeah i missed the like achy toe guy in the cold i, I like <laughs> I, bro I broke my um i broke my toe last uh, no. start this year and no. um, it's much better now i mean i've lost a lot of uh, you know movement um i was just back in london and it was really cold some days and i could just feel the kind of ache and the it's like, God, I'm that guy now. Oh, God. That guy who's fucking <laughs> sort of. toe aches. But if you don't mention it, like, do you tell your wife when your toe aches? And does she ever say, I have enough of the toe talk? Oh, I don't. I wouldn't even mention anything like that. She'd just rip me, rip me to she, shreds. Yeah. I have a tendency to, only to my wife, is constantly tell her, like, if my back is sore. My okay. back is so, I can't figure out why my back is so sore. Yeah. She's like, will you shut up? I understand your back is sore. <laughs> It's not a passive-aggressive way of asking for a massage. No, no, okay. no, not at all. No, that's but I have I no do. one else to tell. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go on the Instagram like, hey, my back's sore, everybody. <laughs> um, can you pull the mic maybe five inches closer? <laughs> yeah. There you go. We're good there? Yeah. Matthew Murphy is here. Hi. Murph, how the heck are you? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So for those of you listening, you should watch this on YouTube because Murph just accomplished something in my backyard with a golf club, a golf <laughs> ball, and I had a baseball mitt on. It was beautiful. Did you have fun doing that? At any time I get to swing a golf <laughs> club, I'm having the best time ever, yeah. Is, is golf something you took up uh, in your 20s, teens? Uh, when did you start playing? Um, when I was 13 and um, I got very, very hooked and um, all I ever wanted to be was like a tour pro, but I wasn't good enough. But I got I got pretty good and all my friend group I was playing with, we were all kind of good. And then um, the Wombats kind of took off in the UK and I was on tour and they just kept getting better and I just kind of got a little bit worse. And um, I, My handicap's three, but um, all my kind of... Friends back home are all like plus one, plus two now. But you're still a three right now. Mm, yeah, that's my handicap, but I, I think I shoot high 70s. That's so great, lot. though. Yeah. Um, when you were playing back then, before the Wombats started to take off, before but you still had the Wombats going, did you feel that same competitive spirit in the band in terms of succeeding as you did when you were out playing 18? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> it was kind of wild in the early days of the Wombats. Kind of, I was just calling our manager every day, asking why haven't we? What's why has that not happened? Mm. Where's this? And um, yeah, I think that competitive spirit is um, has been with me all the way. Yeah. M Shadows from the band Avenged Sevenfold was here recently. Yeah, and he is. He's a great golfer as well. And I think maybe in the early days, I'm not saying he was out partying on the road or anything, but he takes his clubs when they're when they're going. Is that something you plan on doing when you start the tour in January? Um, I have attempted it in the past. Okay. Um, and our tour manager gets just so pissed off with me when Why? I'm taking my golf clubs around and like the crew have <laughs> got to put it on the bus and take it off and stuff. Um Maybe on days off I'll go the range, but I, I yeah I don't go to like a golf course when it's like a show day, just because of the rigmarole of like getting a cab, finding the course. By the time I've done it, I'm played eighteen. Yeah. I'm like kind of knackered. So yeah. As we are sitting here today, everyone should know. Depending on we haven't even hit Christmas yet, so we're three or four weeks away from the new record coming out. Yeah. Not professionally, but mentally. How are you feeling leading up to this? I mean, the world has gone through crazy hell. We all have. I'm sure we'll get into it, but how you made this album, like how are you feeling with the release of all of the songs being out there and then hitting the road? The truth or the, do you want the truth or the kind of? Uh, take a deep breath and give me the truth. Okay. Um, it's really kind of wild for me at the moment because I've never, If I feel like the four weeks prior to release, there's lots of, promo lots of emails lots of you know stuff that I have to do but I've never done it with two toddlers before and so it feels really quite um quite mad this time but I'm enjoying it and like I love the album really proud of it and excited to get it out but um it's uh, it's hard to balance the the craziness of home life and the craziness of work life and like I'm like shit how do I kind of play golf or do some yoga in the middle or something? Right. Yeah. Um, and then what about making the record with toddlers there? Did you record much of it where you live here in Southern California? Yeah. Only had one toddler then. So it was okay. a bit easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, well, Dan and Todd came to LA in 2019 and we wrote a bunch of songs and about four or five made it to the album. And then when the world went to hell in a handbasket, Kind of, I finished it off in my studio in at home in Mount Washington, and um, yeah, and then we recorded it separately. It was quite a strange process. It was enjoyable, though. Like, I really enjoyed the recording process because I worked. It was like nine to five days with an engineer in Highland Park, and um, I didn't have to do any of the debating or any of the stuff that usually goes into an album, especially like a fifth album with two people that you've been in a bandwidth since you were 18 um so it was kind of great then the putting together of it afterwards was that was the most kind of challenging part mm. we had to press delete a lot you had to press delete a lot <laughs> yeah now when you say delete does that mean wait what are you deleting then versus courses songs that you completed songs that don't fit in 2022 no not not whole songs just um we would get on a zoom call in my morning their evening in london and we would discuss like what changes we wanted to make what our kind of visions were for the song um and that was quite good that was a good idea and then as time progressed the zoom calls got shorter and shorter and shorter mm. less and less got discussed and then there wasn't there were no 
there was not much communication and everyone was on different parts of different songs kind of doing their own thing and then when um Mark Crew, who I guess was the kind of main producer of the album, although there are others on the um when he started sending things to us, we were all just like, What what's that? What's this? What's that? Mm. So um we had to kind of, you know, kill our darlings a little bit. Wow. Um yeah. Uh sometimes I'm not saying that was you were it was fat that you were trimming, but sometimes in everything anyone does, it doesn't have to be entertainment, sometimes trimming the fat can make it actually better, even though you love that fat so much. Yeah. You take it away, and it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe that was kind of cool. I think it does, and I think we're getting better at it. I, the, the hard thing, you know, if I imagine it like a, a song or a record, like a kind of painting, and the more and more stuff you add, like imagine the Mona Lisa had a load of other crap <laughs> in the background, but it's there now, and you've seen it, and like you start getting used to it being there, so it becomes more and more difficult to actually take it away. That's something that we, I think we're pretty good at now. Murph, the name of the album, Fix Yourself, Not the World. Is that an observation based on watching the news for two years <laughs> and seeing how a bunch of lunatics act? And then when they go behind closed doors, some of them are probably doing some things that they wouldn't want out in the public. Or is that a more uh, personal thing, that line that um, maybe you experience in your own life? Yeah, it's kind of comes from many <laughs> angles. And it's certainly, I'm not saying, you know, activism is pointless or whatever but um i mean i remember when i suggested this title to dan and todd yeah. and our management like it it automatically got into this kind of you know there were long debates and conversations about it and i was like well yeah okay that's kind of the point um but yeah it, it came from yeah people espousing things outside of their own house and then doing the complete opposite behind closed sure. doors yeah um, it came from me just really being tired of other people's opinions on social media and it became and it's also about kind of trying to fix highly complicated issues with extremely low resolution ideas and it's also like yeah I also kind of think it's it's good to shake your fist at the outside world but it's important you shake your fist at yourself as well and I think you'll get to from A to B quicker it's, a, it's about a, a million kind of things, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but everything you just said made total sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, a song that I have been singing nonstop, and I really love the video, um, If You Ever Leave, I'm Going With You. Yeah. I That song, just the song title, If You Ever Leave, I'm Going With. Like, I know how the song goes from the song title. <laughs> Where in creating the new record, was that one of the first songs you did? Have you been holding on to that one for a long time? The lyric I've been holding on to for a long time. Yeah. It was kind of a sweet thing that my wife said to me in the beginning of our relationship, kind of similar to a song from our fourth album, Turn, which said, I like the way your brain works. And I was like, okay, kind of <laughs> jotted those down next to each other. And I think I was trying to shovel it into the fourth album at some point, but it didn't work. And um, it's definitely kind of the probably the poppiest song on there or one of two. And um I'm not quite sure it fits the rest of the album. Mm. It's, it's kind of more synthy and poppier than the rest of the stuff, but um, it's a catchy number. It's a, it's a great, great song. Where'd you do the video for it? 
out here south, somewhere yeah oh you did it out here like it's just it's just south, you and south. It. nice it's really really good yeah yeah when you I mentioned a second ago that you jot down phrases that you may hear or if it's your wife whatever it is is that something that you, you do it into your phone or you write it down and you put it in your nightstand next to your bed what do you do just write it down in my notes on my phone and then kind of just constantly scrolling through it trying to find wow starters or whatever man yeah does it shock you at all that you have had that you've been doing this for so long, the same three guys in this band, starting all those many years ago, meeting at school or something, and then here you are playing big venues all around the world, man. Yeah, um, I am pretty shocked by that, to be honest. Um, I don't think we ever saw ourselves having a career this long, especially when a lot of our kind of peers and contemporaries at the time, especially in the UK, it was coming out like 2006 2007 aren't really around much anymore um so i mean yeah we're, we're super grateful and i think somewhere along the way we just kind of adopted this bulldog mentality where we drowned out the noise a bit we were less focused on writing biggest songs planet earth had ever heard before and we just kind of focused on what we were good at and stayed on that path yeah and it seems like that from early on, 06, 07, 08, 09, you were able to attract people to maybe one or two songs. They see you play. Then they do a little bit of a dive into some of the older stuff. And then because the content and the quality is so good year after year, you've got them. But I know some folks who only know of you from like three years ago. And yeah. like, what a great, what a great trajectory for a band. Yeah, no, it's, um, it seems like, uh, been one kind of slow snowball really i don't ever feel like we had the kind of arctic monkeys like shump you know uh straight up into the stratosphere it's kind of just right. being this kind of mild but very tall hill we're climbing yeah was there a goal early on for you personally once you and the guys were official like we're the wombats let's do this what was your plan what was your goal i mean especially for the first album i don't know I don't know what the goal was. It was just kind of, we were in A guy to love, loss and, and des desperation, yeah. And, but there was something before that that only went to Japan or something. But you consider this one the full oh, yeah. first one, right? First official? Girls, Boys, and Marsupials was like the first yeah. album that we only released on a Japanese label. And, huh. then, we, and then we did our kind of first proper album. Um, uh, but I don't know if there was a goal. We were just having fun and I was loving writing songs. And then maybe after, I think when we got up, bit of success then the goals were like right okay let's get smashed all over radio and yeah. you know we were we we wanted a lot but now and i think this was around the third album period it's like i don't really want to be in a band that has these huge peaks and troughs it's like i kind of want to want us to be a kind of pixies-esque band where you're just like that's the wombats and that's kind of the the path that i feel like i'm on at the moment wait you tour with the pixies Right? Yeah. And what made was Weezer on? No, I don't know if Weezer was on. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, All yeah. Right. It was us yeah. then uh Pixies, then Weezer. So was, was there fun. even though you're experienced, you're a veteran, you know what the hell you're doing, is there anything that you learned from the Pixies being on the road? Or did you go this way when you got to the venue and they went that way? Um no, we um we hung out with the Pixies a lot. Uh we oh, didn't, cool. we didn't not much with Weezer. I think the gigs were very big and like I think Rivers was kind of you know, keeping himself on track, and um, but uh, got became really good friends with Joey, and we play golf a bit. And he was on my Love Fame Tragedy record, and um, 
I mean, I learned that um, Black Francis has some fucking unbelievable guitars. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of love, fame, tragedy, there are some um, wonderful collaborations, even some writing collabs where the voice was, I think Dan may have co-written a song, but he didn't sing. Yeah. Um, would you ever do collabs? And Or maybe you have, and I'm misspeaking, like Wombats, where you bring someone in and you're like, hey, let's sing together on a track or two. Um, have we, we haven't done that on this album, but um, we've, we've done the occasional collaboration, but it's not a road we've been down a lot, but maybe in the future. Right. Yeah. Because it's just really enjoyable. It's nice kind of getting, taking other people's talents and using it for your own good. As we're sitting here in Los Angeles and uh, you live not too far from here, why is it L.A. that you decided to live? Well, I came here out the blue um, to kind of, I got an Airbnb and like wrote for two weeks and um, met my wife, now wife, on that trip. And she moved back to London for a year to be with me, but was always under the premise that we would move back to the sunshine. And I've always kind of loved LA and we've recorded a lot out here. And yeah. like, I, I just feel, I always say, I just feel 10 to 15% happier. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. And you, uh, obviously you drive yourself around here. Are you a good driver Are you, or do you hate driving here? It's been raining in LA. I live in a weird place. Well, I hate driving in the rain because it seems like <laughs> everyone just shits themselves and doesn't know what to do anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love driving around LA. It's such a it's such a colorful kind of vibrant city and I think just ingesting all the it sounds kind of weird, but all the colors compared to like London in the autumn or winter, it's very different here and I just think I'm I'm 10 to 15% happier therefore I kind of, you know, write 10 to 15% more songs than I used to do when I was living in the UK. Wow. You've been at home for almost two years, and we talked about the new album coming out in January, but also the big tour is starting. Are you, like, in the starting blocks, like a track star to get the hell out of the house and go do your thing? <laughs> you love your family, of course, but, I mean, this is your career, man. You haven't been out, really, a ton in front of people in a, in a very, very long time. And now it's like, uh, J January is here, man, in less than a month, and you're going. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I haven't quite got my head around it, to be honest. Um, we're all really, really excited, but we're trying to take it with a... We're trying to be a little bit realistic as well, because, I mean, surely some of these shows are going to get pulled and some mm. things are going to happen. But, you know, we've just got to keep our fingers crossed and, and, and hope that it all works out. But we're so excited to play the new album live. And we were... I just got back from London where we spent two weeks just oh. putting it together and rehearsing it. You did? Stuff. You So you, okay, so you've rehearsed in person. Yes. With yeah, Dan, yeah. You have. Yes. And was it easy, difficult, playing the new songs, knowing the lyrics, playing some of the older stuff? Oh, knowing the lyrics was difficult. It was. But, um, but the, um, yeah, it actually went really, really well um, and wasn't that that tough. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. to, And we're, we're doing these kind of, buzz shows in the uk and we're just gonna play the new album from start to finish and oh you know, nice, maybe man. maybe chuck him a greek tragedy or joy division at the end <laughs> right oh yeah um, but mainly just new album in full so that when the the real touring starts in washington dc um we know what we're doing and we're ready for it yeah yep and you're playing the wiltern here in los angeles yeah um do you remember where your first show or two were when you guys first played a gig here where it was was it satellite space it was what well, we did two shows. One was the satellite, and one yeah. was another place, uh, which I can't remember. My friend Corey 
was at the satellite show. Okay. He knew of you because he got a promo disc. Oh, yeah. He was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to put it in. And he fell in love with you. And he said, at that show, you know, it wasn't crazy crowded, but there were some Definitely people. There, okay, fine. He said there were 40 people there. Yeah. He said there were 40 and 50 maybe. Yeah. But he's the one that told me about you guys because of that random disc that he had, a promo CD, and then oh, wow. going to that show at the, at the satellite. Wow, that's great. Was that, um, did it feel like an accomplishment when you guys come to the U.S. and play shows here? Yeah, it does now because I think we've worked so hard over here to kind of get it to a, you know, a good level, I suppose. Um, and that was really off the back of the second album. Um, Love playing over here. And um, I just remember those first two shows in L.A., <laughs> our first ever time in L.A. And, oh, my God, we went for it so hard. In I terms I to, of... I think I had to cancel a show afterwards. <laughs> I, I had to cancel a San Diego show for um, Aaron Axelson. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's from San Francisco. So San Francisco. That's yes. One, yeah. Yeah. I, um, we we went for it so hard. I lost my voice, and I was just like, I, I can't do it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. When you say you went for it, does that mean when the show ended, you went for it, or you were on stage and you turned it up eighteen notches? Oh no! After the after the first show, we went for it, and then that kind of bled into the second show, and then I think that bled outwards into like the next day and then we flew to san francisco and we, i was broken oh no yeah it was perfect introduction to la I think. right yeah more than seven times in your career or less than seven times in your career where something like that has happened where it's like uh-oh we Wait, is it bad if it's over seven no okay. not at um, all i would almost say it's probably seven because we've done a lot of shows um but only really Oh, no, actually, I've, I've pulled a f few shows, so I've lost my voice, but I'd say only really three or four in 15 years that have been self-inflicted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is it hard for you, whether it's this album or any song you've ever written for any of your projects, to let it go? So you spend all this time writing and putting it together, and then it's sitting in your laptop for, I don't know, a month or five months, and you could tinker with it every single day if you wanted to, Murph. Is it is it hard for you to say okay I'm done? Um, not anymore, but it used to be. Uh, I would tinker with things and e edit them and try new stuff. But sometimes you know th there is like a core to a song, and if that isn't good enough or that's not sparking enough joy or energy within you, then um, by the time you've tinkered around with it for days, you could have written a better one. Oh wow! Um, so. I'm 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 good at letting it go and yeah I'm better at that now. Um, I heard you mention before that you do love songwriting, but the first ten to twenty percent is always very difficult for you. Yeah, can you explain that to me, like what that means exactly? Well, that's kind of why I always write titles down in my phone because I feel like if I go into a studio with an idea or with a title that gives me lots of imagery, like a title like lemon to a knife fight or something oh, i love that song i, I can yes. i can um i'm on board with it like I, i'm there and i will fight to the death to kind of get that from just being a title into something that has melodies and ideas and stuff but if i don't have that initial if i just turn up and hope for the best and it can be murky waters for for three four five ten hours wow and it's those murky waters where the best stuff comes from but it's also the hardest place to be i think one of the song titles I remember is uh, for the new record is called Poke the Bear. 
Don't poke the bear. Don't, sorry. No, no, it's called poke the bear. Oh, it is called poke the bear. Okay. Um, I don't need to know what it means, but where in the world did that come from? Uh, it's been in that's it, it, that's been in the in the notes bank for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of some crazy kind of like Queens of the Stone. Well, it's not that crazy. It's kind of like a Queens of the Stone Age swung kind of heavy mm. guitar sound with really mad lyrics. Todd gave me a cold um, <laughs> when when they were in LA, and I just remember walking around Mount Washington like trying to figure out what the hell was happening and. It's a fairly ambiguous song, let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, people don't change, time does. People don't change, people time does. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that is kind of a cool kind of death cabby ghost of Beverly Hills inspired song that is about this aspiring um, actor moving to L.A. with um, all these dreams and <laughs> them slowly kind of being pulled apart. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. Where did you grow up in the UK? In Liverpool. In Liverpool? Yeah. Okay. I've been to London once for four days, so I'm sorry that I... Like, how far is Liverpool from London? Is that... It's two and a half hours on the train. Oh. Actually, it's two hours on the train. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And what is the... Was there, like, a music scene for you growing up there? I know we talked about that you were into golf, but did you go see bands play growing up? Oh, yeah. There was was tons of small venues and... Liverpool's always been great at kind of helping young bands out, and even band- at that time though, in the two thousands, late nineties time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like bands would help each other out, and oh, cool. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I was in all manner of um, bizarre, bizarre <laughs> outfits. Um, I was in like a Radiohead covers band for a bit. It was very strange, um, but yeah, there's there's tons of great places to play up in Liverpool. A lot of them are closed down, but I think as you know. As many have closed down, new ones have popped up. So I think that was a great city to learn how to do what we do. You mentioned Radiohead in one of your new songs, and I think you do like Radiohead. But when you're in that covers band, there's a lot to live up to if you're covering Radiohead songs. Yeah. So that of all the bands out there, I would think, ah, maybe I don't know if I want to do the Radiohead cover well, band. I had my, we had our own band um, that covered a lot of Radiohead stuff and a bit of Weezer as well. Okay. We would kind of go and play pubs and stuff. I once auditioned for an actual Radiohead tribute band. You did called Fake Plastic. Okay, in Liverpool, <laughs> and I didn't get the job. Thank God you <laughs> didn't get the job, right? Yeah. Oh my God, doing Paranoid Android every single night. Everyone's like, yeah. "All right, come on, I'm going to keep my arms crossed. Let's yeah, do it yeah. good here." Yeah, I think in the first rehearsal, I just forgot way too many lyrics and. I was like, yeah, I can't even remember my own anyway. So, um, and what school did you? You went to college. Uh, yeah, I went to Liverpool College. Where that was up till eighteen, and then I went to uh, Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts, the place that Paul McCartney set up in Liverpool. Yeah. Wow, and that's where you met uh, your bandmates. Yeah. Wow, and what was it about Dan and Tord that like that attracted uh, you to them to be friends and start a band? Yeah, me and Dan kind of hit it off. Straight away, we were in kind of um, rival schools in South Liverpool, uh, even before we went to university. And um, we used to play cricket against each other. And um, yeah, uh, and then we met at Lipper and kind of, you know, had some fun nights out. And I would wake up in his kind of like halls of residence. We we call them student halls. And yeah, we just hit it off really well. And and then Todd was like in nine bands at the time he was just like spreading himself real thin 
and we were we were one of the ones that um we we were just one of the nine and then as time went on it became he was in eight other bands then seven then six then five and four, <laughs> then there was two um and uh we got a record deal first i guess i don't know wow did you have to audition to get into that school yeah you did yeah what did you do and were there like three people at a boardroom table with like with a yellow notepad I or i can't remember now i think i had to i think i just played them a song and thankfully they they kind of liked it and then you were in yeah just like that and were your folks pretty supportive about you being in the arts yeah especially my dad i mean he kind of had me playing classical guitar when i was like five years old and um he's pretty musical and he was um he was really really helpful that's so at five years old you could play a little bit of guitar yeah like um yeah classical guitar were you hooked on it ever hooked on guitar like you were on on golf like where it's like you couldn't wait to get home and play practice no <laughs> like I, I, sometimes i couldn't you know, I, I never really practiced for the classical stuff and i did like some grades or whatever and I got pretty good at it, but then I kind of discovered the electric guitar and songs, and that was the kind of path I went down. I was never kind of like, you know, grinding out scales or anything, right. um, although I did have to do a bit of that during my music degree. Um, uh, you mentioned a second ago you got the record deal, so now you got the three, you're off and running. Was there a certain uh, show that you guys did in Liverpool where someone said, wait a minute, who, who are these dudes? There is something there. How did that happen for you? We started our own club night called Little Miss Pipe Dream, which is a song off the first album. And we used to kind of have our, you know, other bands that were doing well come and play with us. And then, then we were the first band. There was a bit of interest. And then we were the first band to ever sell out the O2 Academy in Liverpool, just like 1,200 people without a record deal. And then um, I think that got around. And then there was kind of a handful of people coming up and offers and things like that. Yeah. Damn, that is, that's very cool, man. Yeah. Wow. Have your folks been, your dad been to a ton of your shows? Oh my God, yeah, okay. so many shows. So what's that like? Does he want the backstage pass and see you before? Does he stand in the back? Is he up in the front? Is he having a drink at the bar? What does he do? All of them. <laughs> he wants the, He wants the backstage pass and he's back there, you know, chugging red wine and my mum's kind of complaining that there's no champagne around and things like that. And it's, yeah, it happens all the time. It's good fun. Oh, that's exciting, man. What yeah. an extraordinary life that you have led because of just like stick-to-itiveness and being a competitor and of course, just uber talented, man. Thank you so wow. much. Wow, congratulations on everything. Thank you. Seriously. And what about we should wrap it right there? Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, that was great. Fix Yourself, Not the World. Mm -hmm. That is the name of the album. Find the Wombats on tour because they are going all over the world. Fingers crossed that it goes smoothly. For Murph, I am Stryker. That has been our show. Happy Snuggles. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah. That was great. Thanks, Thanks man. so much. That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. Maybe.